Right, and we are live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Forever Rugby on Forever Sports. And the Rugby Fan Forum is back. And it's it's going to get controversial in the next few weeks because it's, it's, it's Springbok season. It's national season. And uh, this is the one where... Yeah, where we, we, we really get to to get stuck into a lot of interesting debates. We really get to enjoy a lot of um Yeah, a lot of different opinions stuff like that. Very interested to see what uh, the general feeling is about the Springbok team that has been announced. We usually do this on the Thursday, um, where we usually have the other teams to talk about. So unfortunately, being a Wednesday means you don't know what Argentina, Australia, and Zena are gonna look like this weekend, although I, I must say that I haven't seen a, an Australian squad that's come to that who looked this strong in a while. Um, so I think it's quite an exciting time. And I'm joined today by Cal in the middle there and Reza who's in the dark and will hopefully um, be lit up a little bit. At the moment he's looking a little bit grey. Um, and that's yeah, not, just because, it's not just because he's turning 30 tomorrow either. Um, that's a slightly unnecessary. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you've, got, you've got to throw it in there. We can get some happy birthday Reza. So if you're watching the comments, feel free to drop uh, a happy birthday, commiserations, whatever you do. It is the big 3-0. Uh, for reason, if, if you're a rugby player, people would officially be starting to retire you on Twitter, eh? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, uh, look, I, 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 yeah, I retired myself about seven years ago, so you know, Fair enough. <laughs> probably for the best. It is always wild though that as soon as like a player turns 30, like, like if you were announced a new signing, it would be sitting there saying, Oh, he's, he's occupying a contract that could have been given to a to a young player, you know, we can't just keep bringing these old players. Meanwhile, I mean, you could, like Dwayne Ferrer is like going to be thirty-seven on on Saturday, capping the box. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, look, if you if you want to replace you with someone younger, uh, we'll have to talk about that. But uh, I, I think for now, I still hold up on camera, okay? No, well, see, at the end of the day, you know, it becomes like a wage thing. You know, when people get to their thirties, they start looking for their retirement packages. So you know, we've got to go try and find some young nineteen-year-old who 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 you know who's on, who's on low wages. Uh, you well, know, Kenan Moody. Yeah. Probably put up all his wages though. We have to take the, we have to take the lion strategy. Either we have to find some nineteen year old nobody, or else we have to find someone who is like close on forty and, and literally looking for like, any last cent to go into the savings. Oh yeah, um, no, just sell me onto the bulls. They'll take me. There we go. There we go. Uh, Steve, although, I'm, Steve, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you. I'm sure you could convince Andy Good to come out of retirement. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm sure Andy Good wants to come out of retirement. I'm not sure he's physically able to, though. It's two different hey, things. He wasn't yeah. physically able to before he retired. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, be respectful. The man's only 43. We can get him back and go. It's just wow. Got um, another 10 years in him. Yeah, to be fair. And also, I'm glad you mentioned the Bulls. I actually want to chat a bit about them and the fact that if we've been brutally honest, they are re their recruitment this, this window is wild. Um, and I'm actually very upset about it because they are recruiting lots of players in all the positions where I'm going, ah, that solves a problem for them. Ah, that solves another problem for them. So <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to start talking about the Bulls a little bit. But uh, for everybody that is watching, put your put your put your comments in the chat. Um the big question that we were asking is have we named a strong enough side to beat Australia? Uh is it a B team? Some people saying it's a B team. Uh, well some Australian journalists are basically trying to sort of uh imply that it's a bit of a B team. Rusty Rust was taking quite the opposite approach and saying in fact the split squad approach actually shows you how shows how much they respect Australia and they want to be competitive in both the Australian game and the All Blacks game. And uh, with all the travel arrangements, this is the best way to do it. So, Reza, I'll go to you first for the experienced opinion. Um, is it the B team, or and more importantly, though, what did you think of the side? And is the side strong enough to beat 
Eddie Jones's Australia. Um, again, so as you know, at the at the time of recording this, we we don't actually know what squad yeah. Eddie, um, Eddie is going with on Saturday. So for me, that is a big one. Um, and so part two of your question, I can't actually answer. Um, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, to say that they would beat Australia, no matter what squad they put out, I think is a, is a bit harsh. Um, and I'm definitely not willing to make that call at the moment. I think if they, if Australia puts out their strongest side, um, I do think that they go into this match as a, as favourites. Um, and I've got I've got no qualms saying that. But at the end of the day, this is Test rugby, and these are players who have been selected going into a World Cup year that should be getting the job done. Um, and so, with that in mind, as I look at this team, none of these names really surprise me. Um, I think we're just so used to having such a consistent side for the last couple of years, um, and there is a bit of the shock factor that it's been done, in my opinion, a little late in a World Cup year that we're starting to experiment a little bit. Uh, that everyone's going, oh, this is a B team. I don't think it's a B team. I think it is an inexperienced team. Um, and for that reason, um, I don't think it's disrespectful. I don't think it's as 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 the media is trying to make it out to be. The media have to talk about something. I mean, it's the Star Rugby Championship. It's a World Cup year. They're going to make it a bigger deal than it is. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not the strongest side we have. But it's also exactly what we should be doing. We need to experiment a little bit. We need a little bit of um difference here and there and may, i don't know maybe australia just feel disrespected uh, that's completely their opinion um i don't think it is i think we could have we could have thrown in some really hail mary names if we if we were really going down that route yeah look i mean i'm, I'm planning on i'm planning on asking eddie that very question you know because it was an australian journalist which sort of suggested that maybe they are not showing australia the respect or, or whatever uh, I'm pretty sure if, when I do ask Eddie Jones tomorrow morning whether that's what they they think, I'm pretty sure the answer will be, you know, not at all. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's it was, might not be the strongest side. Any side that has PSG for a former player, the World Rugby Player of the Year, Dwayne Muir, you know, man of the match in the World Cup final, Lukanya um was in line to be one of the, the nominations for World Player of the Year last year at at at, uh, at at 13. Now we've got Stephen Kitsop in that front row. With Bongi Manami and Franz Herbert, so it's probably our strongest front row. And you know, like the likes of Billy Leroux, they are still, they're still world class players in that side. It's just not the the usual suspects. Carl, what was sort of your yeah. re initial reaction to to the squad? Um, I mean, despite not being, as you say, your first strength side, I was. I my initial reaction was, thank fuck, England's not playing them, because um, <laughs> we'd still fucking lose. <laughs> um, you know, I, it's weird. Like I, I think it's as as you say, it's probably a bit late to be um testing something so new. I think it's it's they have to give Marnie Lebok a go. Like they they yeah. they played themselves into a position where they don't have a choice. Yeah. Um and so now it's literally. But I think it's actually going to be a shitload of pressure on him because if he doesn't shine, they're going to be like, okay, fuck, we have to go back to normal. Um and that that might put a lot of pressure on South Africa because. Willem says probably not an out and out 10. Um, I love him at 15, but... 12, um, 12, 12. Or 12, 12. but... Ah, I didn't cook. Esther Hazen being there. I like Esther Hazen being at 12. Um, yeah. Another reason why I'm glad England's not playing them, because I'd just be like, oh, fuck, we don't have any good 12s. <laughs> um, well, well, we have one, but we we consistently play him at 13 for some reason. You gotta um, make you gotta make way for Faz. Faz just, I, you know, to be fair, that whole England thing. I don't know what they're gonna do with England, but that's a whole different different story. But I get, I get your it's point. It's literally, it's literally a campaign built on hope. That's all yeah. we fucking. <laughs> just vibes, just vibes. <laughs> it's all 
we have. Um, no, I, th- I look. I'm I'm glad to see Ryan Ash starting because I mean that's been a long time coming. I think. Yeah. Um, you officially have two of the literally the two fastest scrum halves in the fucking world. Yeah. So no, it's mental. just just at worst comes to worst, chuck them on the wing and you'll you'll score a bunch of tries anyway. Yeah, that 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 I mean that that, that points to that from the other side saying that there are there are teams out there that wish their wings were as fast as the two scrum halves this mm. weekend and it and it is very it's true right. because they are frighteningly really quick and Grant mm. Williams always plays himself down saying no no no. You know, Kirkley, Kubis, and Mapimpi are you know are the fastest ones in in the squad, and everybody else is like no 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 no, like apparently in training no. Grant is just untouchable. Um, well, did you see that there was a there was an article that came out a couple of days ago, and it was um, who's the fastest Springbok, and they, everyone uh, from all the training and everything, everyone was saying that it was Spoon Kosi. Yeah, apparently, apparently at top speed when he time. got when he got going, he was he was silly, superly fast. Um, sure. Mm. That's that, that. That is surprising. That's um. It, he yeah. he was uh, I think like point twelve uh, behind uh, ahead of um what's his name Colby. There we go. Wow. There we go. Yeah. Um, very surprising that. Look, if there's one thing that that, that that the box had this weekend is is a lot of pace at, in most mm-hmm. places. Um. So it's gonna be interesting. But let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Moni Vibok, and I think that it's an interesting because. At the end of the day, he is the beneficiary of the Altidanki situation. This Bok management team do not move away from a norm. They do not change the plan. They had to change the plan um, because of the, the situation. I think if we're being brutally honest, that Altidanki has not done what he's done. Um, I think Leibok might have maybe gotten a one one appearance at, 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 at that alternations last year. Um, but And I don't think that he would have been starting this weekend you know i think that alton yankees was very much a second choice and they would have gone and said cool straight back to him if not damien and, and and i don't think they would have changed it a year out so it's amazing how something like that can happen and all of a sudden you've got money because some people are saying well he has to start you know um which he's not going to uh when it comes to when Palolo's back and 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 nor should he I mean, well you know you can debate whether he should or should not I, what i will say is that i've been quite critical of Pollard in the past but the season is england is finally looking like you know, the Andre product that we all know mm. can picture up. And at the end of the day, Test Rugby is, you know, suits a really solid flower half, especially with the box, the way the box play. He is, he is the best solution. But leave up on Saturday. Reese, what, what can we look forward to? And how much do you think he'll be restricted by the game plan? The box always say that, you know, they, they, they like players to express themselves, but we all know that it has to be within the overall <laughs> game plan. How much license do you think he has um, to, to do what he wants to do? I, I'm not actually more worried about Money himself um, as a player. And I think everyone's still got perhaps the URC final in their minds. And I think that's a completely unfair... Especially um, when you won it a year ago. Like, everybody seems to have forgotten yeah. that part. Yeah, it's a completely unfair narrative. And he was up there with, you know, player of the tournament and all those kind of things. And he is absolute class. Let's let's be very clear about mm. this. And for me, he is very, very much deserving of his, of his second straight spot behind Pollard. Um, what I am concerned about is not that uh, whether he's whether he has license or flair or whatever the case is. I think that he will he is capable of adapting his game. He will fit into the structures perfectly. I think the real issue comes in is that this combination for this particular game um, is a bit strange, um, and I, I don't know how fast he's going to be able to adapt to this. I see this, you know, this Rhinoch Libok partnership must be new. I, I can't I cannot remember a time where they've where they've come together. Um, the same thing goes for the Esther Hayes and Libok partnership. Um, and, you know, those are things that 
it's quite hard. I mean, to be, to be honest, to walk into that and have new players on either side of you um, is not an easy thing to do. I think um, he, he might I, he might have played a game or two with Estes at the Sharks. They would have been there at the might, same time. But it's, like, it's an interesting idea. I actually is, didn't even register that part. This is this is quite this is quite a while ago. Oh right? yeah. When they had, uh, and even then, when he was at the Sharks, he wasn't he wasn't first string either. You know, um, at that point. So, I, I I really do. I look at these combinations and I go, that's really where the problem is there. Um, and I think that if if it is a poor performance, some some real analysis needs to go into, or maybe we need to kind of a bit of a break, um, in terms of, of in terms of fitting into a system where the other guys are are, are, are a bit new to. Him. Um, Having said that, I really do think that Rhinox very experienced. He'll make any flower from the world feel comfortable around him. Um, and Andre Estesen has been fantastic for the last couple of years. Yeah, he, is biting, he is biting at the at the at the at the bits to to get at these guys. And I think that as as long as they put him onto the ball, or actually really all money needs to do is is make sure he feeds it to, to yeah. Estes and make sure he does exactly what he does best, and that is crash ball. And allow them to get sucked in, and then he can expose. Um, sorry, he can use his own flair later on uh, when they're too busy looking at Estes and thinking that he's going to bite their heads off every time he gets the ball. You know. Yeah, I think I think I think having you know a hundred and ten kg inside centre next to you is is always going to calm your nerves a bit. Especially two things. Obviously, they're going to target him, so whenever he gets the ball, you know that um, you know there's going to be plenty of players who are going to be running in that channel at him. Um, both when he's getting the ball and when he doesn't have the ball. So the nice thing is he does have a, a decent, if if an emergency break glass, just hand the ball to your auxiliary flag next to you who will flatten a few people. Uh, yeah. I think what's also quite nice about Estes is he's got a very good, he's developed a very good kicking game as well. So we know we know that we, we generally will, will kick off nine most of the time. So I think that that takes a certain amount of pressure away from D-Lock. I don't think you'll have to take too much responsibility with regards to the tactical kicking. Um, but, you know, Reynolds will take a lot of responsibility and he can if he needs to go to Esther Hazen um, outside of him, who, who just have, have a big boot. We speak about combinations, and I think for me, you know, I'd like to almost sort of look at almost all the individual combinations. But before we go to the forwards, Esther Hazen and the Kanye Um, we saw this combination, Carl, for the Sharks, uh, and this is what I bring you in, ripping it up, you know, a couple of years ago before COVID and, and stuff, you know, all sort of um, brought, brought that season to a close. Um, I think a lot of people are, were quite surprised that the Kanye was playing this weekend and not JC Creel and that the Kanye hadn't gone over to New Zealand with the first stringers. Um, but mm. I suppose, you know, two Bulls players on the wings, for example, two former teammates in the centres, you know, there are certain combinations on you, but fairly tried and tested in the midfield. And, and do you think those two will, will, will complement each other quite nicely? Uh, I think they can. Like, obviously, you know, they've, they've had a fair amount of time playing together. Um, they know each other fairly fairly well because of that. I I would suspect that Lucanio Am actually went for the, went to this match because he's also an option as a captain. Um, and if Mullen gets injured, I reckon he'd probably be the second second choice captain. Um, but I I think Am's been really strange. Like he's all he's always classed to the box, yet he's been decisively average for the Sharks this year. But then again, that's just because the Sharks are absolutely shit. Um, and he, he, I don't know, like his form always reminds me of J.P. Peterson. 
because J.P. Peterson was the laziest asshole I've ever seen playing for the Sharks, but goddamn, did he play rugby for the fucking Springboks? For J.P. Peterson, like, whoa, 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 what did I do? Like, I'm tired. And to be fair, I love J.P. Peterson, but God, I've never seen a player run less on the wing. <laughs> than for the his legs were so long that you know his his one stride was everyone's three. Um, no, I look, I like it, I, and obviously, you know. He plays for he played for the Sharks. They both they both have or do, and um, I was pissed off when we let him go because he was suddenly playing really well, and then just like, well, I'm off now. I'm like, fuck, great, thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting. I I don't know. Obviously, wait for the other squad to come out, but um, there's a shitload going on in that backline. Like as you say, you know, Esther Hayes can just run over the top of literally anything that moves. And Am will either kick it around you, or he'll put someone else into space out of the, out of the back. So there's there's a lot a shitload of flair in this box team, which is uncharacteristic. Mm. Um, and I'm hoping that um, it's weird. Like for once, I actually feel like I'm supporting the Springboks. Like I've, I've always had a bit of a well, you want to you want to win World Cups, you like, know where we are. Eh? <laughs> just because I lived in South Africa for so long and supported England throughout that time, just trust me, life was pretty shit. Yeah, considering we went nice. through fly halves like Shane Garrity. Tough times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> times lasting. Um, so, but like for once, I actually feel like I'm actually. Well, obviously, I still support England, but I actually feel like supporting South Africa as well. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I get that. I, just to just to go on your point there. I mean that combination you you were talking about. I don't think there's really there's really much to worry about there. I mean Andre Estes and then Dialendi are not too far apart stylistically. Um, and mm-hmm. I really I think you know the player you want to feel most comfortable there is Um, and I think since he's got someone on the inside of him who's pretty much doing the same thing, I think he'll 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 flourish. I wouldn't. I I wouldn't say that South Africa would do very well with Esther Hazen and Creel a partnership. I think it's no, uh, I that think, lack total I think creativity. Well, I, no. I have strong feelings about Creel, but uh, yeah. I like Creel. I just don't think he would make he wouldn't make sense in that partnership. I think defen- I mean, makes sense. defensively I think those two would be would be pretty next level. They're both really good um, they'd be solid but they wouldn't but... get anything done. Um True. but and, and speaking of as again speaking of combinations is um the wings are interesting, and 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 I actually want to bring this into into it. Um, there has been a lot of Makazulma Pimpy slander on 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 Twitter and stuff, and people talking about the fact that you know with Kurt Lawrence, so we finally have a, a proper eleven. You know, who can who can finish, no, can like create that. things and stuff like that, uh, which is a big shot. It's a big shot. I think that's quite. I think Mapimpi for me is starting to show a bit of his age. I don't think he's as quick as he was a couple of years ago, but for me, still does a lot of things very very well. Um, but Kurt Lawrence is is someone who, after the breakthrough season he had, will be will be is, is banging the door down to potentially be a starter. Um, and then Caden Moody, who was an injury replacement last year, and we kind of went, oh well, you know, he's he's young, he's he's, he's had a good season, so you know, I suppose they kind of want to cap him, bring him into the squad. But I don't think anybody really expected him to become a bit of a mainstay. And all of a sudden, he's getting a, a start this weekend, and he's and he's part of the squad. Um, where, where where are we sitting with with our wings? You know, I mean, obviously, I think we probably take three of them. So I think one of either Kirkley or Kane and Moody will go to the World Cup. I don't think it'll be Moody, but um, you know, do you think think that Kirkley is is genuinely pushing Mufimpi for a starting spot in if we were to have a World Cup final tomorrow? We're playing Kirkley ahead of, of Mufimpi, or, or or is the Mufimpi slander unjustified? 
Wow. Um, I, I assume you're directing this at me first. Um, well, so if, if, if you're asking the question, if a World Cup final were to happen tomorrow, um, who, who would start, you know, Curtly or Mpimpi, I would go Mpimpi, Mpimpi um, at this point in time. I, I think that there's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of change in this, as Curtly is going to be that guy who, who's going to start um, or be heavily involved in the easier, easier games. Um, and, and Mpimpi will be saved for the, for the harder ones. But I think that a lot rides on how he performs uh, Curtly in those earlier games. Um, and I really do think that they won't really know up until semi-final, final time, should they get there, who is actually going to be the starting um, guy. And I think it's going to be quite a form call. I, I really don't think that Mpimpi has um, cemented his spot. And I don't get me wrong, I really, I don't buy into the slander and I don't think that he's done anything wrong. It's just that Kirtley has just been that good um, that unfortunately can't be ignored, you know. And, and <clears throat> Just because just because you're operating at 75 80 percent all the time and someone comes along and is operating at 90 percent obviously there's going to be questions asked but yeah to, to say that Bipimbi has lost his spot is is yeah it's just unreasonable oh you read with that yeah um i think also like it, I, I would certainly base that on who i'm playing against um obviously easier harder game i'd i i'd take it more on what that opposition's game style is. Like, if they're a very strong attacking side, Mpimpi's defense is quite good. Um, and he's a bit... I mean, let's be honest, he's not exactly big. He's bigger. He's, um, he's bigger. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, look, listen, uh, listen. What I will say is, having spent a lot of time in the squad, there are certain players that you will pass and you go, yep, that is, is very scary. Yep, I will not pick a fight with that. And there's certain people where you're like, that oak is small. Like, not not for not for rugby, he's just small. And and Kirtley walks around and you sit there going, he's he's small. And he does a great job with the yeah. size. I mean it's not it doesn't impact him, but he but he is small. And like there you know, so so many world class players have shown that that doesn't mean anything really. Um and it's it's strange, like but the, I also think if you if when Colby comes back in, then how do you structure it? Because you if you don't play him at fullback, which chances are like against a team like England, you wouldn't because Stuart is about three times as high. Um, but then you have Aronser and and Colby on the wings, literally the smallest wings in existence. But they will dance the fuck around you. So it's it's very strange. It's 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 a tough one. Yeah, I, I don't think that I don't think that they would start together. I think it would have to be one and Mapimpi. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Mm. I think they started. They might have started together last year against France, if I'm not mistaken. Um. But because they did start together once, um, but it, it is an interesting sort of dynamic. Um, and it's you know, the fullback debate. I mean, everybody keeps talking about Ches and Colby at fullback. I don't think Colby's an, an option at fullback, to be perfectly honest. For as long as Damien Willems and Billy LaRue are fit, I think that's your fullback one and two. I don't, I don't yeah. think we'll, we'll move away from that. You know, yes, Colby's got a lot of it. You know, it's got we all know how devastating he could be on the counter attack at fullback, but we want a ball playing full back. We want someone who can who can link up with the backline stuff. And and while Colby's played a ten, he can do that role to a certain degree, not at the same level that Damien Willemser and Billy LaRue does. And and let's be honest, Billy LaRue to this day still is incredibly important not to the box. Time. As much as everybody dislikes him and, and everybody sits there saying how are we still playing Billy, we the box are better when he plays. That's 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 just a fact unfortunately. Not unfortunately, but that's just the reality. Um so I think the whole wing dynamic is gonna be gonna be very interesting. Um, I want to move to the pack. 
It's a very strange pack because it's a very good front row, especially, I mean, it was already a good front row with Ox and Shed, but now Stephen Kitzel coming in on the back of one of the best seasons I've, I've seen him play in a long time. Um, then a pretty a new block combination, Jean Klein getting a start next to Marvin Ori. Malcolm Astar and PSF toy, Dwayne Femulin. Some people are worried about the pace or the lack thereof in that loose chair. They're not the most mobile uh, forwards. You know, it's it's interesting how a lot of people are saying, mm, you know, this with with no you know Khaleesi or no Kwaka Smith and no Dion Free, it's quite a slow loose chair. And yet two years ago, nobody wanted Kwaka Smith around because he was too small. So interesting how that all changes. <laughs> but uh, Riza, talk, talk to me. Talk talk me through the the, the pack. Um, yeah, yeah um, what, are we, what, are we, what are we thinking okay, in terms so, of the time makeup of it? Uh, so I, I've, I've got concerns in one particular area, so I'm going to fly through this relatively quickly. But the, the, the you know, our type three, I've got no issues with at all. I think that that's tried, tested, and any combination at this point um, is, is pretty solid. Um, I don't think anybody's really raised too many questions around that area in terms of selection. It is a pity about Ox. I'm sure we'll get out to that in a second about his, you know, uh, World Cup aspirations now um, following this injury and just how serious it might be. Um, Bongi, of course, still in there and uh, and deservedly so. Francois Herber, fine. So interestingly, um, Jean Klein and Marvin Ori. Uh, on top of the fact that they Marvin Ori has never been a fan favourite. Um, to be very perfectly honest, uh, no one, everyone rates him as the the sturdy, the solid, the the non-exceptional. Um, and John Klein, yeah, this is an interesting one. It's fascinating. It's it's nice to see that the box are able to adapt and select someone uh, from outside and and perhaps put a bit of pride away um, in in selecting him. Um, but I do stress a little bit about what Australia comes out with for this particular game. Um, it, obviously, Will Skelton will, will likely be one of the other ones. And there was, sorry, I forget his name now. The the other starting lock is also an, an absolute unit. Um, starts. Arnold. Yeah. Um, Arnold. And there was, I saw some media clips as well about that to say that, well, I think they were asked the question, are you going to be intimidated? Yeah, they asked um, Marvin. Yeah, they asked Marvin about it. Um, <laughs> And I'm sure that Marvin will be ready to go to, to prove them wrong, but it is a valid concern. They are absolutely frightening human beings to go up against. Um, Marvin is not known, uh, and neither is Jean, to be honest, for their, for their line-out steals. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in those line-out situations. Um, of course, we've got Peter Steff, we've got Dwayne going up as well. Um, but that's where my concern lies for this weekend. Marco van Staden. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not not really too sold on him. I, I think that, again, a strong, sturdy player, perhaps need a couple of those in your team. I would have preferred to see like a Quacker there or something, but it, it is what it is, and he's there now. I'm, I'm sure he'll do a, a, a solid job. But again, I don't expect him to be exceptional. He's never with a player that at the end of the game, you go, wow, he's in consideration for man of the match, in my opinion. Um, Peter Steff, the toy, Dwayne Vermeulen, they speak for themselves. There's really not much more to say about them. Um, they will have a huge part on, on top of their normal gameplay. They will have a huge part to play in terms of leadership. Um, and so, yeah, the three, the two of them, um, Stephen Kitzhoff obviously comes in, but uh, I guess that originally he wasn't supposed to be in. So I guess it was supposed to be Peter Steff, Dwayne, and uh, Lucanio, who were really supposed to be taking the lead here. Um, mm. And and Vili, obviously, as, as the experienced uh net in the background as he always is <laughs> yeah no it's it's i think i think most of the look i think i think marvin Ori 
you know, we'll, I think our lineups will be very solid. And I think we'll, you know, I think we'll almost guarantee our ball with him because I think he does pull a lineup incredibly well. Um, and, and I think it's, what's quite important is that I've, I'll be surprised in many ways, people talking about, you know, the fact that we're going to have a Jean Claude Arceus name and combination later in the match with Joseph Dweller coming off the bench. I don't think that they'll sub Marvin Ori. I think he'll go the distance because I think that they'll want Marvin calling in the lineouts with Joseph Dweller. Uh, two players, a player who has struggled with lineouts to be able to have the lineouts, you know, with the first two players with every single week and 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 their lineouts to get a lot better. So it'll be interesting to see if Arcus Neyman does place um, Marvin or if, he, or if he does go to, to does replace uh, Sean Clay, for example. Don't you think that might also be situational? Um, considering if we get to that point in the game and it looks like we're dominating and or oh, yeah. that they may just say, well, we know what Marvin and we know what we ever do together. Yeah. Let's let's try something a little different. Well, I think the biggest thing is for me, and again, the whole thing, and I can't bring it to you, you know, that whole win the game and what can we learn? We know what Marvin already is. We know it. And, and, I, and, and I'm not, he's not a fan favorite. I think you're quite right in saying that. I... You know, I used to get very frustrated with him at the Lions because, you know, we, we watched the saying, he's a player there, but his discipline was really poor and he used to, used to do a couple of silly things. I think his discipline has improved a lot at the Stormers. Um, I don't think he's ever going to break the door down. He's not an Eben Smith. He's not an Arceus Neyman, but he's a proper, solid, hardworking lock. So you know exactly what you're going to get from him every single match. Um, he'll very rarely let you down. He just might not set the world a lot. I think for me, the biggest one that we're watching this weekend is... Can Jean Claim be a genuine deputy for for Ibn Etzebet? Because that is the one player. And look, I mean, it's not exactly easy to replace one of the best locks in the modern era, you know. Um, but whenever Ibn Etzebet is is injured, we all we, we are suddenly going, oh, shit, now what? You know, because we just don't quite necessarily have that number four, which is the enforcer that can that can sort of bring that that physicality. So I'm very interested to see how um, Jean Claim goes against what probably, what's probably going to be 140 kg, 127 kg. I mean, we could be talking about facing a lock pairing that could be 270 kgs you know in, in total and, and both well over two meters so yeah, i mean it is thin how big the australian locks are um but but carl you know how much do you think is as we used to talk, talk about sort of situation how much do you think especially with the 6-2 split as well um how much you know do you, how much emphasis do you think we should be putting on winning the game versus well we're ahead or we're slightly behind if we did this, we get a better chance of winning the game. But at the same time, we want to see this combination. We want to see how this player could play in this position. I think, especially with, as we were talking about, you know, untested partnerships uh, or partnerships that haven't been done with the, that kind of fly half. I think right now, more experience is going to be far more important than any 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 win. I think they'll they'll learn more from a loss from a loss anyway. Um, not that I'm saying we should go out and lose. Yeah. Um, but at, like we're talking about the forwards, as you were saying, isn't it? They're not going to set the world on fire. That actually might be the plan because at the point at this point, it looks like they are testing a back a new backline, and so they want the forwards to do a very specific job and set a very solid platform. They're not expecting right. Let's see what you do, and we know you're going to do this amazing crap, so the backline can feed off it. I think they are. I think in, in a way they're preparing to be matched in the forwards, and it's almost like a bit of pressure on the back line. Right? How are you going to deal with it now that our forwards have been matched? Mm. Yeah, that's it's, it's it's 
it's an unlikely scenario, but if it happens, South Africa have to have a way of dealing with it. No, exactly. And at the end of the day, injuries are a thing. Looking that way, you know, and 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 we've started to see, and and so I want to move to the oxen chair. And before I do, yeah, actually, move, we'll move to the oxen chair thing. So this is why we're talking about combinations being so 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 important. Sia Khaleesi, for example, Touchwood at this stage is on track, should be back in August, should be good for the World Cup. If he's not, who is our starting number six? Now, personally, I think all of a sudden, I think Quaker Smith has found himself, you know, and and as the front runner in that in that conversation right now. Um, but you know, their injuries do happen, and I think we do need to be quite honest. You know, Ibn Ezebet, for example, is is coming only coming back next week, and whilst he is a player that gets going, you know, by the mere sight of a rugby field, if he's injured, you know, all of a sudden, who is your number four option? Are we looking at Jean Luc Dupre, or are we looking at Jean playing? And you know, what is the, what is the, what what are the options there? Uh, so it's it's it is it is an interesting thing. Now, on the whole injury thing. Oxen chair has now been ruled out of the rugby championship. Apparently, he's got a pictorial uh, injury and um, is out for several weeks. So we don't know if several weeks means three, four, he's going to be back in August. But it's funny how we always talk about how our incredible um, prop there. And yet, all of a sudden, we're one injury away from not having a single out-and-out loose head prop in the squad apart from an uncapped Kirstina camp who's come to Reese, first of all, what's, you know, how, I mean, you know, we, we all know how important Steve Kitsov is all of a sudden, but how do we manage this, this oxen chair injury with regards to, you want to keep giving Kitsov game time and keeping him up to, to the standard. We also can't afford to lose him. And were you surprised that Intutukunu, for example, was not called up, who played last year, got his capped, and instead mm. they've gone with an uncapped player in Kirstina camp two months away from the World Cup? Yeah, it is interesting. I, I I suppose they weren't quite expecting the the ox injury, but um, at the same time, it, it, the the feeling that I got from the camp was that they're not particularly too concerned um, about this, and they they quite they feel quite strongly that um, even I think actually to be very honest, even if Kitsov does something tomorrow, um, touch wood, but I I really do think that he that whoever comes in in his place is 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 actually going to be able to to be cushioned a little bit by 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 who surrounds him um you know the hookers and obviously the tight sets are, are still incredibly stacked and and so to say that you know one lucy is is possibly going to bring the whole system down it is possible entirely possible but i i think that it's not just about a play, the player base here it's also about the way that that those tights um those tight forwards are coached um that whoever comes in should be should be up to scratch after all the training camps all that as you said he is new and and it is an interesting decision to have brought steam camp in um i i you know i just i just i'm personally not worried about it i think they're going to handle this this depth issue pretty well and and to be honest i really don't think that anybody else in the entire world has um two uh, three or four um international standard tighties um, of the same caliber and we we've been blessed with at least three um so you know this is not this is not a problem unique to us um it might just be our positional issue on on the day um, but someone else will have no flowers available come the world cup someone else is going to have no eighth wins it's 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 gonna it's gonna happen and and unfortunately in one position there will always be a 
a weak link, so to speak. Um, but again, I'm not, I'm not too particularly concerned about it. Yeah, well, fair enough. So, yeah, and look at the nice thing. You've got Trevor Nicarni and Thomas Toy, for example, who, who do cover uh, Lucid. In fact, I'm very surprised we're not seeing Trevor Nicarni this weekend. The fact that we got an injury to Oxen Chan, he still hasn't come in for the 23 for me is very surprising because I think that when I mean, you go back to that British and Irish Lions series and, and that year, and I thought that Trevor was playing some of the best rugby I've seen. I know he hasn't had the best of seasons, hasn't given you as much game time as we would have liked him to have at, at uh, Racing and didn't play as much with the box last year, but I'm still very surprised we haven't seen more of. Of, of Trevor. Uh, well, we haven't seen the fact that Trevor's going to feature. I'd be interested to see if he does go to New Zealand, whether he might actually, the plan might be actually to, to unleash him there, or whether he will actually um, only put a play maybe against Argentina. Um, something else I want to talk about is is the whole captaincy thing. Now, the, the box management were quite open and said it's not hard picking a captain. We've got a very large leadership group. Um, at the end of the day, we like to have our captain close to the referee, so a loose forward a scrum half, a fly half, for example, someone who is just literally geographically close to the referee and can communicate with them. They also <laughs> said that uh, communication with the referee is something that, they, that they're very intent on improving this year after the, the stigma that we have been labelled with. Um, so Dwayne Fabian takes over Capsi this weekend. Carl, there probably isn't a safer option anywhere in the world for someone who you just know will do it very well and will, you know, there just won't be any issues, is there? Uh, apart from maybe Sam Whitelock, who is also about as yeah. old as you know, old as time. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, look, Jesus Christ, the guy's been around for a while, um, and yet I still don't, I still wouldn't want to see him in a dark alley. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, I, he I, South Africa's been working with quite a few referees recently. They had Nigel Owens, didn't they? They went to Nigel Owens, and, and he said no. Apparently, they happened because you have a paper. Um, okay, yeah, and and I. I in that scenario, I think it's it's quite good for them to do that because what was it, 2011, when Bryce Lawrence ref that shocking semi-final, Correct. or was it a quarter-final? I can't remember. But as much you know, as much as he was a, let's be honest, an absolutely shit referee, the Springboks didn't didn't adapt to what he was doing, and that's why they lost the game. If they changed how they played to suit that, they might have won. It would have still been shit, and I think they don't want to get caught in that again. Yeah, because it can literally it can derail your whole World Cup just because that guy doesn't agree with what you what you do. Yeah, I, I think it is something we've been guilty of not being able to do well enough in the past, being able to sort of understand and adapt and say, okay, this is the issue. The referee's doing this. We need to actually adapt our, our way. And the way it's, I think also the way you communicate with the referee is also so important. I think it's something that Adam and Jones I thought always did so so well is he had such a good rapport mm. with the refs and he could always. And look, everybody hates Johnny Saxon, but he again, he's got that rapport. He's got the thing where he can always add that extra comment. He can, he can push, he can toe the line a lot, lot a lot further than, than other yeah. people can. Which is why I doubt of... he can anymore. No, no, listen. Now yeah. Sexton's blown it. He's he's full on, full on done. He's, he's, he's yeah, he's he's he's, he's, he's that, that that ship has flown. But the best captains I think, are. I think the we ones. must be very clear though about what is rapport and what is um, almost borderline bullying. Mm. But um, I think a guy like. Uh, Richie McCall was at great rapport with refs. Mm. He always managed to be the out and out gentleman and get them to listen in that way. You talk about the Adam Wynn Jones and the Johnny Sexton. Um, not that it's a bad thing. I'm just saying different styles got different results. Quite aggressive. Quite aggressive, yeah. Um, and it's always seemed a bit forceful. And that's when everyone was saying, oh, it seemed like Sia was getting a bit cowed by uh, opposition captains, you know, and, and couldn't quite get a word in over them. And it's because, well, Sia's an opposite style he's, he's not that 
um, and different styles for different refs get different results on different days. Um, and so on another day, and as you've seen quite recently, CA does get results um, from certain refs in certain situations where that's that almost gentlemanly passive mannerism seems to actually win the ear of the ref more than likely. And the ref almost seems to stand up for him to the point where he's pushing opposition teams away so he can hear listen to what Sears actually got to say. Yeah. Um, and that also a bit play perhaps a bit of the media playing a role there as well, saying that well, well, you know, refs are ignoring Sears, and I'm sure that's you know, as much as they try to not listen to that, it must get into their head. They, they don't want to be seen to be ignoring the Springbok inspirational Springbok captain. You know? He's like the biggest name in world rugby next to Anton de Pont, but like a mouse. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's an interesting. It's an interesting aspect of the game, and I think it is something that's becoming. And I think especially it's not the Reds' fault, it's not the, the, the T's fault, but there is so many grey areas at the moment with the laws um, mm. and the way that they are being judged and the way that they are being implemented um that i think you do i think playing the referee has now become a very uh integral part of any game plan it's not just well this is the law plays the law it's right well this guy tends to let this go he tends to watch this you do actually have to play the referee quite um quite intelligently unless you're playing super rugby in which case the laws don't exist and you can do whatever you want uh, and we only had to go and look and at that's the, why it's so good and you only <laughs> had to go look at the ridiculous non-red card for anton leonard brown in that Super Rugby final to to one to 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 uh yeah to, to to demonstrate just how the Super Rugby is officiating is, is just nonsensical it almost doesn't exist actually um but let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the rugby championship now it's an interesting year it's a three it's a three game championship three week championship it's pretty short um you win two games well you win three games you win it you win for, I mean, let's be honest, the rugby championship traditionally is about if you can beat New Zealand. That has always kind of tended to be the, the case. The, the, you know, we generally sort of assume these days, I think with, with, with Argentina, you're definitely not the Argentina of old, but you always sort of assume, right, well, we'll probably be Argentina, we should beat Australia. The question is, can we beat the All Blacks? Now, for me, this is going to be an interesting rugby championship of the way that the fixtures are structured you know the new zealand only have one home game uh australia and south africa have the two home have two two home games and argentina are away for for two as well and new zealand have got south africa at home so they do have arguably they do have their hardest fixture as their home fixture which i suppose helps them but at the end of the day as well the two easy fixtures they have are now away which makes it more difficult for them um and australia play the box away, which is a difficult fixture, but then they have Argentina and New Zealand both at home back-to-back -back as well. So I think it's going to be a very interesting rugby championship from that regard in that, you know, certain amount of, certain sort of advantages have almost been nullified by home ground and travel and stuff like that. Um, is this genuinely a rugby championship that could go to any four sides? Uh, are Australia contenders, for example? Argentina are the inspirational Argentina that can beat anybody on their day through just pure passion um, and often a, uh, a Pablo Montero, Marcus Kramer masterclass. Um, but, but Carl, you know, is, how open is this rugby championship, um, especially with New Zealand maybe not having had their best year last year? Uh, and then we just don't even know what to expect from Australia. Uh I, I, the funny thing is, not knowing what to expect from Australia is probably their biggest strength right now, mm. uh, especially with um, Eddie Jones there. Um, he might actually do something. Um, who fuck knows? Um, but 
I, I mean, I, I do like their players. And for once, I'm like, actually, you know what? I can actually watch Australian rugby for, I, I think, a good 10 years of the last Super Rugby years. If it was an Australian derby, fuck me, I'm not watching it because Christ, it's boring. Yeah. But but now the Brumbies are playing really well. Uh, the Reds have their moments. Um, and the Waratahs are not great at the moment, but they have some very good players. Um, I'm very keen to see the uh, loose, loose trio battle against South Africa um, because they've got some big names coming out there now. Australia have found some really good players. Like, uh, what's his name? Fraser, Fraser McWright? Fraser McWright, He's yeah. Lost. Yeah, the Hooper. Um, the other Hooper. And I'm assuming Valentini's going to start, most likely. Yeah. Uh, and they're bloody good. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think it, it depends who they field. I mean, I, I think Australia do have a good shout at winning this game. Um, I have a feeling it's not going to be a big point scoring game. Um, I think it'll probably come down to a couple of penalties. New Zealand's a funny one because um, I, I, I have a feeling they'll probably beat South Africa and Australia and then lose to Argentina. Um, <laughs> so I, I, well, I don't know. I, to be fair, it'll probably be very New Zealand to lose to Argentina first. Everybody go, oh, that's a nightmare, and then go, yeah, back, back to back. And then they'll and then they'll mm. beat like South Africa and not Australia by fifty or something like that. Ridiculous, like. Um, I, I really hope that Sean Stevenson actually gets some game time because I can't believe he's not there as a starting player. He's there for injury cover. Yeah. And yes, Mark Talia deserves to be there as well. It just shows that how fucking ridiculous their back three is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, just, just, to, just to give my thoughts on, on, on that as well. I, I think that uh, to start with New Zealand, I think that's, the southern countries um, are the only ones who have consistently never underestimated New Zealand. Um, I think you go into kind of northern hemisphere um, rhetoric of the over the last couple of years when they've been struggling. They're the only ones. I mean, we keep very quiet about New Zealand's struggles because I don't care. They could <laughs> they could lose two two years and, and they're still for me one win. of the World Cup favorites. They they still be yeah. in that top four players teams that could win I the World mean, Cup. Yeah. They could win 50% of their games in two years before World Cup, and I'd still go, yeah, no, I'm pretty terrified, you know, and, <laughs> and I think they've they've earned that that right um, to be considered favourites in, in pretty much everything they ever go into. Um, and it's, it's, it is interesting. I feel like the dynamic of Super Rugby um, having obviously changed is, is a huge one for me because, to be very honest with you, I'm actually not sure what we're coming up against. Um, in New Zealand, having not watched a lot of Super Rugby myself now, um, I mean, if you had US, URC, I feel like these are entirely strange teams to me, and I'm getting a rude awakening that, um, you know, I might have a Crusaders Lions situation again, and that's kind of how I feel. Like, um, I'm quietly confident getting into these games, but also just pretty much realizing that we might just get absolutely drunk as well. Um, so I still think that New Zealand are, are favorites going into this to win it. I think they, they probably probably are likely to beat to not all of us uh, uh three nations instance. I think that Australia are the dark horses and I think that we're likely to have a bungle against Argentina because that's just what we do in rugby championships. Um for some reason only recently I just started to get back the hand of it. Um so yeah I, I, I we we don't 
we don't necessarily ever have do very well in, in rugby championships. I mean, we have done well it's because New Zealand have made a mess up somewhere, or Australia gifted us a, a done us a favour by disrupting them somewhere along the line. Um, but we've never out and out dominated from start to finish. Um, I, I don't expect we're going to defend this time around, although I do think that our purpose is, as we talked about earlier, not necessarily going out there to win. But I think it's important that we don't suffer the heavy losses. Um, yeah. We go out there and we lose by, you know, I'd say 20 plus points to any of the three nations. I think that's, 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 not, that's not acceptable. Yeah, I think that's fair. Guys, um, the Chiefs won the Curry Cup, so South Africa's going to win. Yeah, yeah, don't stress. You've been doing, <laughs> we've been doing all the, the, the lucky omens down here. Don't you worry. We've been operating on beauty. Don't, <laughs> don't you stress. We've been operating down here. Um, if we like, recently say that is the Curry Cup just a pointless fixture? <laughs> no, no, not in the World Cup yet. Not in the World Cup yet when the not Chiefs in are in it to win it. No, no, no. Then, it comes then... superstition and nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, have been hard at work. No, no, no. We're out to operate. Don't you stress. Um, and Argentina is, you know, Argentina is Argentina. We, you know, one day they will beat us, the next day they'll they'll lose to anyone. And and I think that well, I think Michael Checker had made made them a much better side. Um, but I still believe that 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 South American passion can turn into ill discipline very very quickly. Um, it, yeah. And I think they much. still they still have the capacity to implode. Um, I do think they're getting a lot better with it. I think that there are certain players there. I think and I think. Um, you know, there's certain sort of figureheads in that that squad who are getting quite good at being able to sort of calm people down and, and, and sort of reset, but they do have that implosion implosion in them. Um, when they play their best rugby, I tell you what, I'm very keen to watch that game. And Argentina this weekend against you, mm-hmm. see, and they'll give them a good go. Um, so, yeah, in wrapping up, people, uh, on the block stuff, cool predictions for both games. Mm. Um Carl, we'll put, yeah, you on, we'll put you on the, on the, on the block first. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> what, do, what, do, what do we say? Uh, I don't see Australia scoring a lot of tries, uh, but I do see them winning. So, fuck no. Uh, 19-17 to Australia. Right, close game. And then Argentina, New Zealand? Uh... The thing is, I'm always wrong. I've li- I don't think I've ever called the score right. So that's why. That's why I'm not challenging your your prediction. I'm I'm quite happy with I'm the say New Zealand by twenty. Lovely I'm work, lovely work. And if those both don't country, I'll be a very very happy man. Uh, the thing is, you could also say that I'm very good for betting because I'll always tell you what to do. There, just do the opposite. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So. And Reese. <laughs> Um, I think this is quite actually. I'm going to go the opposite of Kali. Um, for exactly as we said, um, a high scoring, <laughs> high scoring affair. Um, I think, and I think the other fact we haven't taken into account is that it is Loftus. Um, One thousand four hundred fifty meters altitude. It matters. Yeah, which which is where the box have been training for the past month mm. um, as well. So I think that I think this is going to be quite a high scoring. I'm going to go like thirty twenty five to the box. Okay. Okay. What did you say? Uh, the altitude. I think it's one thousand four hundred or one thousand three hundred fifty. Yeah. There's a there's a sign as you as you run out on, on, on at Loftus, there's a sign at, at the top of the tunnel which says altitude one thousand I think it's three hundred and fifty. Um, yeah. how, how much of that is the Australian locks? <laughs> yeah, so there's so there's so whatever it is at hundred, that's wow. what Will Skelton's gonna be breathing. So good luck good luck <laughs> to him getting around that. In that. the in the stratosphere. Yeah. No, he's gonna be I mean like the people the people sitting in the top tiers will be looking eye to eye with him going, What are you doing, dude? <laughs> <laughs> um 
All right. And then uh, the New Zealand game, um, I'm going to say like 27-12 to, to New Zealand. Okay, well, I'm going to be a controversial then. I'm going to go box by seven, and I'm going to go to Argentina by five. Lost tumors at home. The buggers are there. And <laughs> the buggers are there. Dude, I, that Argentina side, when they start playing well, it's it's impossible not to like them, you know? Yeah, Especially, it's just, yeah. it's just when they started doing it to us recently, then I was like, nah, I'm, I'm out. That so sucks, thanks, yeah. thanks for the ride, yeah, yeah, but, no. And you're like, yeah. damn it, you're so cool, but... But all, just stop playing well yeah. against us. Oh my god, have you seen their away kit? Oh my god, the no, away kit. Argentina no, but it's is so actually so nice. But it's Argentina, guys. Like, when have you ever gone into a World Cup and not looked at Argentina kit going, mm. hmm? <laughs> I'd have to, might have to invest. Speaking of World Cup and kits, what do we make of the bob kit? Um, Reza doesn't like yeah, it, so, and I'm just telling him he's wrong. Yeah, Steve, Steve, Steve gave me um, a lot of crap about it, but um, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the home kit. I don't think it's terrible. I just think I, I was expecting more. Um, yeah, it, it's bad. It's just boring. And I don't get the nipple braille um, that it's got. <laughs> just yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, as for the away kit, though, very nice. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of that. I could see myself getting one of those, but uh, I don't. I think like I'm, yeah, I don't think I'm investing in um, in the home kits. Yeah, I think the wake it's quite a it's quite a controversial one. I think you either love it or hate it. I think there's very few people sitting on the fence. Um, I'm coming around mm. to it a lot. I, I quite like it. A lot of people saying, you know, it's a really nice kit, but it's just not the box. And I'm going, well, at the end of the day, the away kit's gonna be white or it's gonna be white and black and, and, and that it can't be green. And it can't be and we we've never gone like full yellow, so I mean full gold, so we're not gonna do that. So I think it's I don't mind him trying it, but it's something a bit different uh, with, with that away kit. Uh, I'm actually... Well, I mean, you're only going to wear... You're, really, chances are you're only going to wear the away kit once if well, that happens. It's against Ireland. Yeah, then that's that's basically it. Um, although, having said that, having said that, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the World Cup with regards to the whole um, colour deficiency oh, thing. Mm. Yeah, and whether we might see teams having to so for example a lot of people saying that the all blacks and the Springboks team for the color deficiency thing uh, and we had that debate earlier so it'll be interesting to see if that actually is a thing in the world cup and whether you, know, you might have you might you might have a problem against tonga as well with red and green well this is the thing so you know mm. um and, and wales and portugal um so yeah that's very cool but anyway people thank you very much for, for joining us um uh, i will be off to buy my box jersey on friday <laughs> um so i, I like a hundred thousand rent yeah no it's just listen um, <laughs> yeah, yeah thanks Nike. yeah and, and then the, and then the annoying thing is i go and design the shirt the concept that they all use for the fake shirts and do you think i get one do you think these guys go across and said listen we printed your fake design as the as the, as the official shirt do you want one no nothing so i'm i'm i'm, yeah, I'm having that's, to it's your own fault for not copywriting but you can't copyright what's already illegal, can you? That's what people said. I said, no, you should sue them. I'm like, well, I mean, it's they're, what they're doing is, is incredibly legal. I don't really want to put myself in bed with them <laughs> and take on Nike and, and the box. And uh, yeah. so They might not like you as a media presenter either. No, no, no. So listen, you're the guy that designs the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll just... <laughs> no, no, not me. Yeah. Uh, well, at least they can't confuse us. So I'm in the clear. What? I'm far away. 
Yeah, no, I think there's a, a slight, a slight color difference between us. Steve. Hey, dude, the, with the lights are off at the moment. You know, we should, we could be the same color kind of skin at the moment. We wouldn't know when, when your lights come on. Then maybe you you're can, not confirm. brothers. Right now, you're just gray, dude. <laughs> yeah, having said that, my power should have come on about an hour and a half ago, so I'm quite depressed. Yeah, so you can go and enjoy that. Um, go and yeah. you know, go and go and go and get invested in the details of the jersey and decide whether you uh, whether you like it or not. Uh, what it's interesting as well that that's not necessarily the World Cup jerseys. You know, that is just the jerseys for the rugby championship where they go for the same jersey as the World Cup. We wait and we see. People, thank you very much for joining us. It is a day early, but there's still a decent amount of attendance. Uh, we didn't get to too many comments, um, but um, yeah, good to see a couple of uh, of the old people back into the comments stuff like that. Um, I will be live tomorrow at one o'clock. Um, we have got the daily news show tomorrow. We're going to be at. Um, Eddie Jones' press conference as well with Australia, finding out exactly what he's naming and, and what's going on there. And then uh, in terms of content for the weekend, we'll be live for both rugby championship games. We're hoping to do Japan versus, uh, well, Japan 15 versus the All Black 15. And we're hoping to be live for both the Junior World Cup games on Sunday, where what has been described as one of the worst uh, junior Springbok sides in recent history are actually in the semis and taking on this, the, the island who are the Six Nations champions for a spot in that final. So it should be quite a cool weekend on, the boys. of rugby. Chaps, thank you very much. Reza, enjoy the dark. Carl, enjoy whatever a Scottish summer has for you. Um, Pretty nice. Is it like, is it raining? Is it like more than 10 degrees? I mean, it's got to just get more than 10 degrees. Uh, last summer we hit 32. That's us. Cancel Christmas. And it's only getting hotter year on year. We'll probably hit 34 this year. Oh, well, we've got earthquakes and tornadoes down here. So, yeah, things <laughs> we've sat here falling apart. So, enjoy, enjoy that wild path because. When you is know, it not then? <laughs> no, well, well, yeah, well. yeah. All right, all right, all right. Oh, and on that, and on that very cheerful <laughs> note, people, thank you very much. Everybody else, please do subscribe to the channel. Please do smash like the video. If you only get into us now, you can rewind and watch the entire episode. It will be up there. And we will see you guys over the course of the weekend. Thank you very much. And uh, see you guys soon.